0: Hey everybody, my name is Zach and this is The Delivered, a podcast for Christ Redeemed. So, let's dig in. Well, good morning. It's good to be here today. Uh, Let's open up in a word of prayer and we're going to get right into this. Our Father in heaven, we come before you once again, and we give thanks for this time that we can come together as men and study your word. I pray that you would move your spirit over us and guide us that everything said and done would be in your will, according to your will and your purpose. In Christ's name, amen. Confronted, First Thessalonians um, 13 through 20. A, uh, a person's response to the gospel defines their future. If you die apart from Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. That's the essence of the entirety of the gospel, the entirety of the scriptures. If you die apart from Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. So remember, Paul's reminding them of his preaching among them, and he's, he's talked about uh, his manner of conversation among them, how he had integrity in front of them and away from them. And so we're going to look at the effect of Paul's ministry on the Thessalonian church. I'm going to go ahead and read the entirety of this. And uh, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered in the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly, eagerly. And with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us for what is our hope, our joy, our crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming. Is it not you for you are our glory and joy. So here we see a spirit of thanksgiving. That's that's what comes forth always. Uh, We should always have a spirit of thanksgiving for the things that God has given us, you know. Chiefest of all of those is salvation, you know, but we have most of us here have good homes, good vehicles, you know, good good jobs, uh or had good jobs. Either way, you know, we've all some of us are at the end of our careers. Me, I'm at the beginning of mine. You know, I'm just a few years into mine, so are these two. Well, I don't know, these at least, at least these finally hit thirty here. But <laughs> he's the elder among us. <laughs> but um so we have a spirit of thanksgiving and received the word of God. This is, this is reception to what Paul had to say to them. This is an apprehension. They, they were willing and open to receive this word of God that was being preached to them. And that's how we are to be as well. You know, We sit under preaching and, and my job in this position is to faithfully expound the word of God to you. The job of anyone in the pulpit is the same. You know, if I, if I sit here and make stuff up on the fly as I go or wing it per se, then I'm not doing you a justice and I'm not doing God a justice. And so we're, we're supposed to, when I, when I sit under Jared and, and I know he's preaching the truth, it's my job to, to take that and, and, and not, not even just take his word for it, but go home, take the sermon, go home and study the sermon. You know, cause we're not, we're not perfect, you know, but we receive this word. You know, it, it, we, our goal is always to, to preach the truth, to speak the truth. You heard from us. That's evangelism. The central command, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor. I I can't remember. I think it was Stephen Fry. It was a famous atheist. I don't remember which one it was, but he said, I can't fathom the hatred that a Christian must have to not tell someone about sin, death, and hell. And this is coming from a non-believer, all right. So I mean, you don't you don't put much stock in in most of what comes out of out of a non-believer, but that's true. If we're if we are to truly love somebody, if we are to truly love our neighbor, should we not tell them of their of their eternal destination apart from Christ? Christ did. Paul did, Peter did, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe these things that I've commanded you and I'll be with you until the end of the age. Evangelism is central to this faith that we have. The word of God was preached to these people and we should also preach the whole of God's counsel today. You know, today we live in a, uh, at least in the American church, I can think of several examples where, well, the New Testament is the most important. The New Testament is where we should focus because the Old Testament doesn't matter. God is the same today as he's always been. The words that open up in Genesis are just as important as the words written in red. And there's nothing with with taking what Christ has said and running with it. That's not what I'm saying. But to negate something else in Scripture just because it's in the Old Testament, thats that's... That's not good on our part. We've got to preach the whole of God's counsel. Not not as the word of men. They knew that this was the word of God. This wasn't Paul making things up as he went. This was Paul preaching faithfully to them. This is the error of your ways. Repent and believe the gospel. They knew this this was Paul preaching, and Paul preached one thing and one thing only. Christ crucified. If you're preaching, and I, I've heard, I've heard so many say this. I want to say it was Spurgeon. I want to say it was Spurgeon that said, "If your sermon does not contain Christ, then go away from that pulpit and never preach again until you can preach Christ crucified." Yeah, our our job isn't to get up here and and talk about how great I am or how great we are. It's not it. Uh, our job, my job, Jared's job is to preach Christ crucified. And when we go out into the world, that's what we're supposed to preach is Christ crucified. Words of men cannot save or change a life. Our words can't do that. God's word can. God's word is is for reproof and rebuke. The word of God. So you've got men, they're false, they're frail, they're fickle. That's what we are. We, if we were left to our own devices, we'd be fast tracking toward hell, uh, and left to our own devices, that's where we would be. There, there would be no, um, uh, take the Valley of Dry Bones for example in Ezekiel's vision. You know, those bones weren't gonna get up and grow flesh and and start, you know, give themselves a pumping heart. You know, apart from God, there is no hope for our salvation. Our salvation is found solely. In the, in the cross of Jesus Christ. Men were false, were frail, were fickle, but God is holy, he's wise, he's just, and he's faithful. And I would encourage all of you, when you go home, study the attributes of God. Look at who God is, the, the characteristics of God. Um, and I could recommend books if you're interested. But, but the character, but God is holy, he's wise, he's just, and he's faithful. And a lot of times we're the exact opposite of all that. If we lean on our own understanding, then we walk away with no understanding at all. Our understanding is no understanding. So at work, um, but what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers, knowing God and his word will produce an outward change. You know, this, when you come to the scriptures, you have to come, you cannot, you can't look at the scriptures through your own personal worldview. You know, And I had to learn that a long time ago. I can't come to the scriptures as me and look at them. I have to look at myself in view of the scriptures. And if I see something in me, if I have a belief, if I have an action, if I have an attitude, a characteristic, whatever, a hobby even, um, that, does not court, that does not line up with scripture, then it is my responsibility, it is my duty to expel that from me. I have to get rid of that. And it's not, it's not a work of perfection. You know, we're, we're going to sin. We're going to fall. We're going to stumble. But our job as men, you know, we, we hear all the time, well, uh, let's change society. And, and there's so many people ready to just take up arms and march on D.C. Change isn't, uh, uh, an AR isn't going to change anything. You, you, you can overthrow this government and that government, and you're going to get wicked men in places of power again. It's just how things are. But if you want to change anything around you, and I'm a firm believer of this. I, I believe in the and the classical view of of husbandry. It starts with us, men that are married. It starts and and you you will be married. You are not called a singleness. I do not believe that, sir. But it is our. It starts with us. Every everything in this society, you know, if we don't if we don't study this ourselves, if we don't teach our wives and our children this. If we don't, if you can't talk about something you don't know, and this has to be at work in us, just like it was them. The Thessalonians didn't add Jehovah to this other list of all the gods they worshiped. The Thessalonians took the list of all these other gods, all these other temples, they threw them away, they focused on one thing, they focused on God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They focused on our triune God and his word, what he said and what he has commanded and it changed them, and it will change you too. Verse 14, For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. Now, I don't know I don't know what you, your all's view is on Israel's state of affairs today. Um, I've heard so many preachers and pastors, and I actually used to hold the same view that we should stand with Israel because they're God's people. They are not God's people. Physical, political, geographical Israel over in the Middle East is not God's people. That's a country that was designated by the UN in 1948. God's people is spiritual Israel. We're grafted into that. Those in Judea, they were the first to hear the gospel, and they were the first to be persecuted because of it. And persecution didn't necessarily come from outside. It didn't come from, from Muslims because they didn't exist. Most of the time, it didn't even come from the pagans. The hardest persecution came from the Jews. And through the ages, if you go back to the first century, and, and again, it's some extra biblical text. but they, they've even, early Christians referred to Jews as the synagogue of Satan, for the way that, and, and I like the way Jared put it. They're not Jews. A Jew that comes to faith is not converting. It's the Christianity is the full fruition of Judaism. This is when this is when you arrive. You know, um, this is that was the purpose of the Messiah. That's why that's why these religions, Ju- Judaism and Christianity, are are so similar up to a certain point. And then, boom, they taper off. I mean, it's a hard drop to the to the left, to the right, whatever. But the cross is the Christian mark. Our life should be mar- Our life will be marked with suffering. Our life will be marked with pain. Suffering is what makes a man. Suffering is indeed what makes a man. Uh, the Jews were the ringleaders of the persecution. Um, but the Jews, they were jealous and taking some wicked men of the. Uh, See, they, they, formed, they formed a mob There we go, I've got my, I've got my bearings now uh, They set the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason Seeking to, uh, to bring them out to the crowd, Acts 17, 5 This is when they were in, uh, I think this was Philippi When they were in Philippi And they attacked the house of Jason They were looking for Paul and, uh, and his cohorts and this was the Jews doing this. They were going to drag them out. They were going to beat them. They were going to have them. Uh, they were going to have them tried, basically for treason. That's that's essentially the way they were looking at this was treason, and and the Jews lost all sense of religion. Now, you go back to the Decalogue. You go back to the Ten Commandments. What's one of the Big Ten? You shall not murder. murder, and that's what they did. They murdered left and right. They were slaughtering Christians left and right. Verse fifteen. Who, uh, who drove us out, uh, who, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind. So Paul shows the character of the unbelieving Jew, and he shows that it, um, it justifies their final ruin, their, their, final, uh, their final ruin of their place, their church, and their nation. So they killed the Lord Jesus. They, they killed an innocent man, and they wished for his blood to be on them and their children and their children's children. They wanted to blame. They, they essentially right there when they said that, they gave up their place as an honored people and they brought down the wrath of God on them. Cursed be us and our children and our children's children. They, 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 were, willing for, they were willing to take on this generational curse just to prove their point. And that's exactly what they did. And Paul, he, he strips the Jews of their honor and doing this. And this was a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, he's essentially, he's essentially saying, you know, we, we cannot return to that table. We cannot live that lifestyle. He called Peter out to his face when Peter did it. Peter's sitting here eating with the Gentiles. Then all of a sudden the Jews come in and what does Peter do? He gets up and he goes and sits with the Jews and Paul called him out for it. He said, no, we're not, this is, this isn't how we're going to live. There is no no brotherhood between the Christian and the Jew. There is no fellowship of of a salvific manner between the Christian and the Jew. There is is no ties that bind between the two of us. The Jews are as wicked as the Muslims. They hate God or else they would be on their knees before Christ. That's just the facts of the matter. The Jews, they, they killed their own prophets. They killed the Lord Jesus. They killed their own prophets. These prophets told them over and over again, repent and return to God. Repent and return to God. Look at the sins that you were committing. Look at the life that you were living. Repent and turn to God. And what did they do? They killed the prophets. But they, they hated the apostles. And if they would kill Christ, surely they would hold nothing from his followers. You know, if they're going if they're willing to crucify the Lord Jesus, they're willing to crucify you too. You know, and that's the same today. We live in a culture that things are all right right now but i i don't look for them to stay all right for another 100 years you know there there is a wickedness about this place and, and again i do i love my country i'm not i'm not one of those let's overthrow the us government and all this other stuff i'm not that's not me what i'm saying is is there's so much wickedness in this land there's so much wickedness in place of power that one day they're going to forget who joseph is they're going to forget the house of israel they're going to leave Behind the God that gave them these this power this position, and they're going to trust in their own wickedness and they're going to ask, and and the people today ask for for we want people to rule us like everybody else has and that, just like just like Israel did back then, and that's what we're getting, but they hated the apostles, they killed the Lord Jesus, they killed the prophets, and they hated with a fervent passion the apostles so they they pleased not God they Lust. They, they lost all sense of religion. They had, uh, they had murder. That's certainly antithetical to who God is. Uh, they, they, they had hate. They, they, violated, they violated the most natural instinct of religion. Uh, Romans chapter 1, the law is written on your heart. We know, the lost man knows not to go around murdering everybody because the law of God, it's, it's a natural instinct not to murder people. And they're violating that. That's where their judgment comes from. They're violating this this established commandment. It's contrary to all men. Their hatred was contrary to the most basic of human instincts. Verse 16. By hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. That they might be saved. They they thought that... um, That blasphemy and the insult would they, they thought that it was blasphemy to include the Gentiles into the promise of salvation. You know, don't bring these swine to me. That's that's there was such a such a disdain for the Gentiles Um to fill up their their hindrance of the gospel was the culmination of all of their sin. Their hindering the gospel was was the pinnacle of their sin. And 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 they they heaped their sin. And the wrath of God was was getting was starting to burn toward them. The the, the children of Israel, that's all that's all they've ever done was turn from God. And turn from God. And we can look back on them and say, well, you know, look how faithful we are today. But let's be realistic. A lot of times we find ourselves doing the same things they did, turning the same way they did. But God's wrath was beginning to burn against them. And they're they're heaping up sin upon sin upon sin, but wrath. So God's wrath was about to be passed out on these Jews that were, that were preventing the gospel from being spread. In AD 48, Jews were slaughtered in the temple. I don't know if you guys ever heard that story or not, where some of the Roman centurions walked into the temple dressed as, as, common, uh, as common people, and they shed themselves of their robes, and they killed every priest in that temple. They killed them all. There wasn't a single Jew left alive inside that temple. That was AD 48. This was three years. This happened three years before Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians. And this led, all this led to A.D. seventy, when Nero was emperor and had the temple demolished, and Christians began to be persecuted, absolutely heavily, in uh, in and around Rome and its and its city states. And when the measure of any man's iniquity is full, and he has sinned to the uttermost, then comes the wrath, and that at the uttermost. When we have sinned to the uttermost. Then comes God's wrath to the uttermost, and that's when we see hell, uh, busting wide open to receive the lost sinner. Verse seventeen. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly, and with great desire to see you face to face. So Paul was apologizing for his absence, and they they weren't they weren't not, they were they weren't there physically, but their heart was still with the church there in Thessalonica then um, though Paul was absent in body, he was there in his heart in short time. This world isn't the place for us to always be together. You know, if you if we walk out of here now, we never cross paths again. That's fine. Um, Paul's absence, it, it, it was but an hour in the whole scheme of things. You know, it was just a small, minute piece of time in the grand scheme. Because eventually, when we all get to heaven, like we sang this morning, we're, the time is no more. Time doesn't matter anymore. And he's saying, you know, if I never see you again, but I'll see you in heaven. That's the hope that we have as Christians. And heaven is that place that we shall meet and nevermore part. When we get there, there is no more parting. There is no more sorrow, sickness, tears. There's no more death. There's no more sin. We're there. And we'll always be there. This great desire, even though, um, even through the trials, Paul still, he worked to be with the Thessalonians. He, he understood that he was going to be beaten and persecuted and everything, but he was trying to get back there and We have to remember his example you know we 're not masters of our own time. Man makes plans, and God laughs. you know a lot of times i 've wanted to do this that and the other, and it just it just ain't happening you know and and God the spirit prevented them to go to Asia, if you remember that, but he says later a little later on here that it was it was Satan That was hindering them. And and who controls Satan? God does. Jesus. He's he's sovereign even over the devil himself. So verse 18. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And this could be other enemies of God, but I believe that it is the enemy himself. That uh, God allowed the enemy himself to prevent Paul from going. There was other things... If Paul would have went, he probably would have been killed. And then that would have been the end of that. You know, we have to look at things like that. Paul didn't, he, Paul, he probably understood that, but maybe Timothy didn't. Maybe Silas didn't. You know, maybe the church in Thessalonica was like, well, we're being persecuted. Why don't you come down here? If you want to kill the snake, what do you do? You cut the head of it off, right? And as far as the Sanhedrin was concerned, at this point, Paul was the head. In this area especially, on the second, on the second missionary journey. We must resist the enemy. And we must maintain integrity in our faith. Satan is a constant enemy to the work of God. Wherever, wherever God's working, you can expect the devil to be working there just as hard. You know, his goal is to prevent the gospel. His goal, and he knows he's going down, you know, but his goal is to take as many with him as possible. Verses 19 and 20, and we're rounding it out here. For what is our hope? Or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at is coming. Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. So Paul has the highest esteem for those he converted. Uh, he looks at them like his children, the same way John did. And and he he's taken on the personal responsibility of discipling these people. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen I've been to conference, conferences conferences. I've been on evangelism walks, I've been on mission trips where you see somebody get saved and then you never hear about it again. You never see that person again. You know, and at this point, Paul was away from these people and yet he was still maintaining contact. And we don't really see that anymore. You know, we we essentially just leave people to their own devices now. But we should hold these people that we convert to the highest of esteem. If people are under you or under your leadership, then it's your responsibility to to maintain integrity, to maintain faithfulness, and to hold them in the highest esteem as as sitting under you. Uh, Hope or joy. Paul knew that these converts would partake in the glory of Christ's return. He knew that that was the future hope. That's why he said, I'm only away from you for a short while. If I never see you again, I'll see you then. So glory and joy. The converts are the culmination of this minister's work salvation confirmation thereof is the culmination of the gospel you know when we see people getting saved we see the angel band in heaven rejoicing another one in the fold there's another one in the fold there's another one in the fold so a little bit of application live with the spirit of thanksgiving before god it's easy to get lost and wallowing in the woes woe is me of the world but focus um especially now Focus now on having a spirit of thanksgiving for what God's given you. Nobody's life's perfect. Nobody's. Paul's chained to a wall in a jail cell, and what did he do? He sang hymns. (laughs) Live with a spirit of thanksgiving before God. Um, Imitate the Lord Jesus in your life. We have, like Billy said, the best book, the best example is right here. If you want to know how to live your life, right here. If you want to know what the will of God is for your life, right here. If you want to know what you're supposed to do on a day-to-day basis, right here. If you want to know how to control your thoughts, how to control your actions, how to spend your time, right here. Live your life in imitation of Christ himself. And let no one hinder you from preaching the gospel. Wherever you go, preach it. A life lived is, is, is great, is excellent, absolutely. But a sermon preached is all the more better live your life in imitation of christ and preach the gospel wherever you go i'm not saying stand up on the table at the huddle house and start screaming about how everybody in the building is going to hell it's not what i'm saying but when you're presented with an opportunity i have people come to me all the time especially at work and ask me questions about this that and the other well what is, well what does god say about this you know, and I got one guy, uh, you know, who I'm talking about. Yeah, he tries to argue everything. He tries to, to, he's like, well, you know, the Bible does say this, the Bible does say that. And I'm like, yeah, but have you read it? <laughs> you know, Facebook's a great place to get bad theology if you, if you don't know what you're looking uh, for. But let no one hinder you from sharing, the, from preaching the gospel and boast only in the Lord. The vain man will rot in the grave just like we will. The rich man, the poor man, we're all going to die and we're all going to be six foot under. It doesn't matter. Our only boast, there's not a single action that any of us can do that merits any more boasting. The only thing that we can boast in is the Lord and what he has done for us. That's That's where all of our boasting should go. Don't look to me. Don't look to yourself. Look only to the cross. Look only to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Anything to be said before we close? I reckon not. Well, all right. I just want to say thanks for listening to another episode of The Delivered. I hope this is edifying for you. I really, truly do. I hope this is something that um, you can actually take something away from. I try to make it that way, both in the class and on here. So if there's any questions, reach out to me. If there's any comments, do the same. And remember, God is sovereign, and you are not.